The New Testament reading today comes from Matthew chapter 7. If you want to turn there with me, we'll be reading verses 21 to 23. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 812. Hear the word of the Lord. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus is teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount about what true obedience is. What true obedience looks like. The idea of obedience and what God desired from his people had been corrupted in Israel. And so Jesus was reestablishing the truth. There were teachers of the law, traditions of man that had been put around the law that had distorted ultimately what the truth was. There are those, Jesus says, who on the the last day, on the day of judgment, will say to him, Lord, they will call him Lord, but they will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that's frightening. It should give us a little pause. It's good for us to search our hearts so that we know if we're deceiving ourselves about what exactly the relationship we have with the Lord Jesus is. We're told in Scripture to make our calling and our election sure. And so we want to do that when we're confronted with a passage like this. Simply because something is done in the name of Jesus, using his name, simply because something is done under the guise of Christianity, or even if it includes the saying that Jesus is Lord with the lips, that does not mean ultimately that you know him whom you're speaking of. It's possible to take the name of the Lord in vain. It's possible to bear his name falsely. In this context, there are those who, Jesus says, have done some pretty incredible things. right? Miraculous things. Things that we would think have to be done with true knowledge of the Lord. Right? Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, they say? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty works? Right? Things that if we saw, we would think, of course this is a man of God. Of course this is someone that the Lord knows. Look what they did. Look at their works. But standing before the judge on the last day, they hold those works up. They say, look at these things we've done. We used your name and we accomplished this. And Jesus still says, I never knew you. They think that that's proof that they belong in the kingdom of heaven. But that's not what Jesus said. If you use Jesus' name, if you invoke him, but don't ultimately obey him, right? Do as he says, trust in him and love him, then you don't actually know him. You may use his name, but you don't know him. 
and far more dangerously, right, far more consequentially, it says he doesn't know you. His name may be on your lips, but yours is not on his. Right? It, just because you do great works in the name of Christ does not mean that your name is written in the book of life. And so he says to those who would hold up these works as, as a reason why he should allow them in, he says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. We wouldn't think of what they did as lawlessness, but he says, you're workers of lawlessness. We're told by the Apostle John and 1 John that sin is lawlessness. That's what it is at its core. Right? The, the worker of lawlessness is one who is still yet in rebellion to Christ, who lives in their sin. Now, you could call them a kind of antichrist. Someone who does work in his name, but is using that name in vain. Abusing his name, who lives contrary to that profession. So it doesn't matter if you do amazing things in Jesus' name, if you don't do the will of the Father in heaven. He says, if you don't do his will, then he doesn't know you. His name shouldn't be named among you if you're known by sin. Remember Judas, Judas, the disciple of Christ who betrayed him. He did many mighty works. He was sent out with the disciples when they went by twos out into the countryside. And they came back, if you remember, and they told Jesus, it's amazing. Right? Even the demons listen to us in your name. Right? Even, we can cast out demons in your name. We can do these amazing works. But in Luke chapter 10, Jesus says, don't rejoice in these, in these works. Don't rejoice in that, but that your name is written in heaven. It's not those who simply utter the name of Jesus, but those who bear it faithfully, who do his will, that are known by the Lord. To know him and to be known by him is made visible by that. But what is his will? What would he have you do? Believe in his name. Trust in his name. Follow him and walk by faith. Right? Through living that kind of life that pleases him in the power of the Spirit for the glory of Jesus Christ, humbling yourself before him in faith. That is what ultimately the law is all about. That's ultimately what it was for, how it directs us. That's what Jesus was trying to reestablish for the people of Israel here in these words. Well, we're continuing in Exodus chapter 20, uh, working through the Ten Commandments. We're focusing on the third commandment today, which you can find in verse 7 of chapter 20, but I'll begin at uh, verse 1 of Exodus chapter 20. I'll give you a moment to turn there if you want to follow along. Starting in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. 
You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is God's holy and inspired word for us this morning. Well, if you're just uh, visiting and and joining us now, uh, we've been working through a series this year on uh, what we've been calling the foundations of the faith. So we started looking at the core doctrines of the faith. What is it that we believe about the person and work of Christ, about uh, the God that we worship? And now we're looking more so at the Christian life and what directs us in the Christian life. It's the Ten Commandments. So we've been working through the Ten Commandments commandments. And if you've been following the logic so far as we we come to the third commandment, you'll notice that in a sense the the commandment starts very, I guess you could say, narrow and then broadens out, right? Or maybe a better way to say it would be it starts with that sole focus on on the direction of everything, right? You have one God, one God that you should worship, no others. And then it slowly begins to work more vertically, or I should say horizontally. It begins vertical and and works its way horizontally out to your relation to others, right? So first, you should have no God but the Lord. Your worship is to be directed toward Him. Second, you should worship Him in the way He has determined. And now third, with the third commandment, we learn that not just your worship, not just in your you know, singing and in your, your gathering on the Lord's day, not just in these ways, but also actually in the whole of your life, you are to live in a way that honors him and honors his name in this world. Your God, your worship, now the principle at the heart of everyday life. All right, so all of life is to be lived in such a way that brings honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Because you, as a a Christian, bear the name of God in this life, so you should seek the kind of life that corresponds to his character, that corresponds to his revealed will, that comes from his, his character, his nature. All of this focuses around the name of the Lord. It's all built, this command, around this idea of the name of the Lord. And naming is an interesting business. And maybe you don't think much about it, but naming things is one of the central roles that God has given to mankind. This is one of the things that we were given to do in this world. So Adam was tasked in the garden to name all of the animals that the Lord brought before him. And naming isn't arbitrary, or at least it wasn't. You know, when it's spoken of in Scripture, it's not just arbitrary. To name something is to express verbally the the nature of a thing, the character of a thing. So Adam is, is told to name these animals, and he does so as a sign of his authority over them, the authority to name them, 
but it was also his recognition of what each animal was. Right? He, he was, in a sense, recognizing it in giving it a name. You've probably noticed that in Scripture that names reveal something of the characters that they represent. Right? They, they tell you something about the person with the name. That's why sometimes in various stories within Scripture, names change in the middle, right? Because they change. They are character changes, so their name changes in a corresponding way. So Abram, which means exalted father, becomes Abraham, right? The father of a multitude, corresponding to God meeting with him and promising him that he would have offspring that number as many as the, the stars in heaven, a multitude, He's going to become a father of a multitude, so his name changes. And this happens all over the place. We won't name every example. But you can think of others, right? Jacob, the deceiver or trickster, right? He's turned to Israel, right? One who wrestles with or strives with God. Adam, who names the animals, is given the name Adam, uh, which means dirt, <laughs> basically. I mean, it means, means soil, earth. Right? Why? Because that's where he was taken out of. Right? He, he was taken out of the ground. So that's what his name corresponds to. Right? Adam gives the name Eve to his wife. Why? Because he says she's the, the mother of all the living. Right? The name Eve is very similar to the, the word for life giver. Right? She's the one that gave life to everyone that came after. So a name holds significant meaning. That means that it's a weighty responsibility when we name things, right? It's a weighty responsibility when parents name their children. That's something that their child lives with the whole of their life. My younger brother uh, has uh, two little girls. His youngest daughter, he named Ember Ruach. Uh, Ember, like fire, flame, embers. Uh, Ruach is the Hebrew word for, for spirit or wind. And when I heard that, I was like, do you realize... You just named your daughter Fire Tornado, <laughs> right? Amber Ruach, you, like that's a dangerous business. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen now. But that's not, I mean, their idea was this is, you know, the Lord blowing on embers, right? It's this picture of, of revival, of uh, really a beautiful thing. She's a sweet girl, don't worry. She's turned out very nicely. Funny enough, they named her before she was born, and she was born with very red hair which was just really fun. Uh, but it's a, it's a dangerous game when you're dealing with names, the naming of a child. So mankind has been given a task to name things. But we don't name God. Right? We, we don't give God his name. Actually, God tells us what his name is. You remember that when the Lord met with Moses in the burning bush. Moses asked him, what, what am I to tell the people? When I come to them, who am I to say sent me? What is, what is the, your name? He doesn't name God. God reveals his name and says, I am that I am, or I will be what I will be. Yahweh. Go back to the preface of the Ten Commandments that we looked at a few weeks ago in verse 2. I am the Lord your God. Lord there, if you didn't know this, any time you find in a Bible where it says Lord and it's all capitalized, 
That's because it's, it's translating this name Yahweh. It's the personal name of God given to Israel, his covenantal name that he gives to them. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Lord gives his name. And that, on the one hand, is a tremendous honor, right? that God would share his name with you, his people, right? that he would, he would give you that close of a relationship that he would share his name. On the other hand, it's also a weighty responsibility because you don't just learn his name, you don't just know his name, but as his people, you become bearers of his name. It's not simply revealed to you, but placed upon you. In Numbers chapter 6, you can turn there if you want, you don't have to, uh, but I will read a portion from it. But in Numbers chapter 6, the Lord speaks to Moses about uh, what Aaron is to do in giving a a benediction to the people, where we get what we call the the Aaronic blessing. And it says this, this is in Numbers 6, starting in uh, verse 22, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. All right, so the, the, the benediction, the, the ironic blessing, wasn't just a, you know, a nice little prayer for the people, an encouragement to the people. The Lord says, this is how you put my name on them. How you name them, in a sense. It's a reminder to the people of Israel that they are bearers of the Lord's name, that they represented him in the world. And through their lives, in their honoring him, his name would be honored. But in dishonoring him, they would bring shame to his name. Right, and that's true for us as well. Right, you bear God's name. Right, if, if you have believed in Christ, then we're told you have put on Christ. You bear him. What what are you called? Christian. You bear the name of the Lord. So you're known by his name. And he is making himself known by you, through you. So if that's true, if if you bear his name, in a sense you wear it wherever you go, what would it mean to take his name in vain? I'm going to give you a handful of options, shall we say, right? Different ways that we think of taking God's name in vain. And what I want you to do is try to think, okay, which one of these is really taking God's name in vain? Which would this be? I'm going to give seven possible examples. First, you're driving your car. It's really bad traffic. You get cut off suddenly, almost causing an accident. So instead of choosing your favorite swear word, you input God's name. You use Jesus' name. Second, a politician is holding an election rally. And he says, we know we have to win because God is on our side. Third, a man is in court. He rests his hand on the Bible 
He swears to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And then he goes on to lie about what happened the night of his arrest. Fourth, a sweet young Christian woman tells her friend that God spoke to her and said that her friend really needed to break it off with her boyfriend. Fifth, a Christian business owner who advertises as an an honest Christian electrician regularly includes charges on his bills that he didn't actually do, things he didn't actually do for those who use his services. Sixth, you lead a small group in prayer and you find yourself uh, repeating God's name anytime there's an awkward silence because you don't know what else to say in between the rest of your prayer. So his name is filling the empty space. Seventh, a pastor in town is known for his, his fight for strong morals, but it's an open secret that he has an anger problem. He's regularly screaming at his wife. He neglects his children. So there's seven possible examples. Which one of those is taking the name of the Lord in vain? You maybe guess already uh, that it's all of them. Right? All of these are actually ways in which we take the name of the Lord in vain. Not all equal, not all uh, equally heinous, and yet all ways that we can do this. But you've got to look out for trick questions, because once you are ordained, you just love trick questions. It just happens to you. You just want to use them all the time. They're all examples. You take the name of the Lord in vain any time you dishonor him in how you live as a professed Christian, right, bearing his name, and any time you treat his name without the weight and glory and honor that he deserves. And so traditionally, we, we think of this command as having to do with our speech in various ways, and that's true. That is correct. To take God's name in vain is if you use his name in, in some empty or vulgar way. Right, as if it doesn't really have meaning or, or value, as if it were hollow. So you employ it as a curse word or a, or a filler word, like uh or like. It would also cover taking an oath in the name of God. Right, taking an oath you know, by the, the blood of the cross or, or according to some holy thing. To treat swearing on the Bible, for instance, or, or in the name of God, as if it were, it's just a formality. Right? It doesn't actually matter. Well, that would be to take God's name in vain. It's not giving his name the, the honor it is due. But these are just some of the ways. Right? It's true that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So these are ways that we see this happen. But, but this command is actually broader than that as well. It's not just how you speak, but also how you live. The Hebrew word for take has much more a, a connotation, less about, about speaking, speech as much as it is talking about the idea of of bearing you could translate it that way right you shall not bear the lord's name in vain in your life as one who has made a profession of faith who has been baptized into the name of the father son and holy spirit who calls yourself a christian you bear the name of the lord again in a sense you wear it you put it on now how you live reflects on him, 
right? Your life is a reflection of the God that you worship. It reflects what you believe about him. Maybe it's important to you uh, that you represent your family well, right? You wear your family name and you, you love your family and you want to, to show them honor, show them respect, right? So it matters that you carry yourself in a, in a dignified way or, or carry yourself in a way that, that would, would bring honor to them. And that's right and good, right? We should, we should do that. Um, that's, that's important. And the reality is that because we live in a covenantal world, because we're covenantally tied to others, uh, whether you like it or not, you do represent your family in a certain way. How you live will reflect on them in one way or another, for good or ill. Much more so, does your life, how you carry yourself, your conduct, reflect upon the God that you worship, the God that you profess. In your speech, your conduct, your business practices, and your promises and oaths, and everything that you do, whether private or public, you're bearing the Lord's name, representing him. You've put on Christ. And this is your God. Did you notice that repetition of what we saw in the preface? You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. Right? The, the, the name, again, the Lord, there is Yahweh, your, your covenantal God, the God who has made covenant with you. You shall not bear his name in vain. You shall not treat his name as worthless or, or empty. Right? As if it has no meaning or effect on your life. As if there's no power in his name. Because he has no power, so it doesn't do anything when I use it. It doesn't, it doesn't change me when I live in light of his name. Right? When I bear his name, it doesn't mean anything. Right? You don't do that. That is to take it in vain. Your God. Right? This is your God that we're speaking of. We're not, right? we're, we're not talking about God's requirements that he become your God. He says that he is your God. He is the one who's brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The God who has saved you, has blessed you, has shown you honor and dignity beyond your deserving, right? has filled you with his Holy Spirit who chose you before the foundation of the world that you might be set apart for him, who shares his name and that he, he has made you a part of his family and gladly shares that with you. Your God, that's who we're talking about. The Lord, your God. But when you lie to others, when you abuse others, right, when you treat others with contempt, when you are hypocritical and two-faced in your dealing with others, because you have his name, because you've been baptized into his name, you're saying that your God doesn't matter for your life. He doesn't, he doesn't affect your life. He's irrelevant to your life. That he's not worthy of devotion or loyalty. And you've seen this, right? Haven't you? You've, you've seen this, right? Somebody who, who says, who professes that they're a Christian. And yet they're not you know, convicted about stealing from the office. Right? They, they're not bothered by sleeping around. They're not you know, bothered by living in a way contrary to that profession. Right? A politician who... who has the name of Christ on his lips to get elected, but he's doing just as many shady backroom deals as anyone else. 
if you have put on Christ, then you're not to live like that. You're not to use his name as if it had no meaning or weight. Right? You are to show your loyalty and service and obedience to him in how you speak and in how you conduct yourself. Right, go back to those examples that I gave. Again, not all equally heinous, but all ways that we, we don't treat God's name with the worth that it has or we don't live in light of his name in the way that we should. Right, to use God's name as, as some kind of a sudden curse when cut off in traffic, again, that's, that's to treat his name as if it is just a vulgar term. The politician who invokes God's name as if God is for them doesn't realize that the question is really, are you on God's side? It's not, is he on your side? Right? It, it acts as though God is not a, a person with a, a nature, a character, with a revealed will, but is rather something that can be defined as I please, is defined by my platform. A man who lies using the name of God under oath acts as if God has no power to judge, right? As if there will be no punishment for what he does. He's testing God. A nice young Christian woman who, right, is, is motivated well. Her heart, we would say, is in the right place, but says that God told her to tell her friend something that he did not, in fact, say, is treating her own intuition as if it were the word of God, his revealed will. The Christian business owner who lies to customers is implicitly saying that this is something that God does, or at least is okay with. Praying with God's name as if it were a filler word. And this is scary. I, I mean, this is something that, that I thought a lot about this week. It's easy to do, right? It's easy to, you know, get to, a, to pray before a meal and just make it a quick, we just got to rush through this get it done. We know we're supposed to pray, so let's pray. But we treat it as if it's just another quick thing to get out of the way. Right? When, when we do that, when, when prayer in God's name, when using God's name becomes a kind of a filler, again, it treats his name as if it were, it were just that. It were empty in a sense. The pastor who represents God in the pulpit but treats his family shamefully, well, it in, implicitly is saying this is what God is like. Again, not all of these equally heinous, not all of them equally sinful in the sight of God, but all of them ways that we do take the Lord's name in vain. You bear God's name. You wear it everywhere you go. Right, so what you do reflects on him. Your life reflects on the Lord's name. And this commandment is attended with a warning. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Right? It's, it's not a light thing to take the Lord's name as if it had no power, no value, no meaning. Right? Your God is actually the God of all meaning, of all value. Right? All things find their true definition and purpose in him. It's for him that everything was created, by him, through him, for his purposes. So he is the, the definer ultimately, of all things. And then to treat him and his name as if he had no definition, as if he was what we wanted him to be, as if he is void, something that we can fill with our own ideas. That's a particularly high kind of rebellion. 
That's a kind of pride that says, no, I will name God. I will give him his name. I will decide what he is. As we saw before, Jesus warned that there are some who would appear on the day of judgment, on that last day, and they will be people who have done incredible things in the name of God. And you can invoke Jesus' name for your own purposes. And you can, in that sense, try to name him. And, and maybe uh, it, you will be able to deceive yourself. And maybe you'll be able to deceive others. But we're told that Jesus will say on that day, I never knew you. To know and be known by God, he says, is to do the Father's will. To believe in him, to walk by faith. The Lord will not look lightly on those who treat his name with dishonor, right? who teach people that Jesus is a liar, that Jesus is a scoundrel, that Jesus is dishonest and can't be trusted, that Jesus is unfaithful, that Jesus is wicked, that Jesus is without power to change lives, that Jesus is weak, that Jesus is greedy, that Jesus is a God who, who isn't bothered by evil or enjoys it. Right, that Jesus is worthless. I don't even like saying that right, as examples. Right, it sounds wrong to even put those words together. Right, and maybe it sounds extreme, but ultimately that's what we do when we take his name, we profess his name, and then the way that we live says that's what that name represents. Now, please don't, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Okay? This doesn't mean that uh, those in the world who see your life, that anything that they say, that they say you're representing, is therefore true. Right? Some take the idea of you know, bearing the Lord's name and being a good witness in the world to mean that you know, we should always listen to those who are outside of the faith. Right? Always listen to your neighbors because they, they will tell you whether or not you're representing the Lord well or not. Right? And it, it's true in part that Christians should seek to have you know, a good reputation among outsiders. Right? You, you should uh, seek to be known well by your neighbors. But ultimately, we get our definitions from God. Right? It's not up to them what it means to be a good neighbor. The Lord gets to name it. The Lord gets to decide what it is and is not good in how we interact with others and how we live, right? So, uh, you know, if you are told that you're, you know, a bigot or you're unloving or you're whatever because you simply want to follow what Scripture teaches, well, when you hear those things, you can disregard them, right? You, you don't have to listen to that. Because we get our definitions ultimately from the Lord himself. You don't have to listen to that. But if you are representing Christ in a way that does not cohere with his self-revelation, right, with his revealed will, then it is true that in that way you're being a bad witness to him. Right? You are causing others to think less of Jesus. Right? You should want others to see your good deeds and want to glorify the Father in heaven. Right? You want others to see your life right? and to see you know, how much 
you love your wife, right? How much your wife loves to respect you and, and submit to you and, and how your kids will forgive one another and enjoy one another and how you, you sing together and, and love one another and laugh together and just have an, an enjoyable, good relationship and, and how you are a, a neighbor that is quick to serve and help others when they're in need. You want others to see your, your generosity to others. You want others to see your work ethic, that even when the boss isn't around, you're still working as hard as you can because you're working ultimately for the Lord. You want them to see those good deeds. You want them to see those things and ask, what is this? Right? What is that hope that you have? Why, why do you live that way? You want them to say, what a God they must have. They might not say this consciously. They may not know the grammar to say it like this. But this is what scripture says, that, that Israel, that the church, right, they should see your good deeds. They should see how you live and say, what, what an incredible God that has given them laws like this. Right? What an incredible God that, that would uh, bring these things about in their life. That they must serve such a good God to have so much joy and so much peace of conscience right? and so much hope. Right, how, where do you get that? And then you get to say, I get it from Jesus. Here's, here's how you can know him too. Here's how you can learn his ways. Here's how you can walk by faith. Right, you get the opportunity to then introduce them to the one in whose name you're doing all of this. Yeah, and so then when you, when you bear the name of Jesus in vain, you are causing others to have the wrong idea about him. You cause others to see your God as if he were worthless in some way, right? When you treat his name casually or dishonorably, um, that's what it does. That's the effect that it has. So congregation of Christ, you have an incredible privilege to bear God's name. Jesus Christ has so united himself to you that you are his body. That's what he says. You are his body, right? You represent him in the world. You are his family and you wear his name wherever you go, whoever you're with. And he has chosen that he will be made known by you in your life. Now that should instill a healthy kind of fear, right? Not out of insecurity. When we hear God's word, when we hear his law, okay, it, it does condemn us in our sin, right? It, it does reveal sin to us. But we want to come at this as Christians, as those who are in Christ, right? Knowing that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We want to hear this as, as an encouragement to us. Not that we would be more insecure in faith, but that rather we'd be encouraged to, in a more healthy way, follow after the Lord. To have a healthy fear, not out of insecurity, but out of a deep desire to honor and respect the Lord Jesus. Or you want to make him proud to show others that he's truly worthy of praise, don't you? Or you want his name to be lifted high, that others would value him as you do, right? Isn't that what we want? Right? That's, that's good. That's what we want. That is the heart cry of every Christian, everyone who is truly in his name, who wears his name. Right? And and what we need to realize is that it is a, a tremendous privilege and all privileges from the Lord, all blessings from the Lord come with a kind of weight, a responsibility that is 
you know, affixed to them. That's what we have here. And so I wouldn't be surprised if you hear these things and, and it's brought to mind different ways in which you've failed to do this. Right? Ways that uh, you have dishonored the name of Christ and how you have lived. And the encouragement to you is that God was not unaware of your failings. Right? This is actually why Christ was sent. This is why God went down to Egypt to bring his people out. Why Christ came to die that you might be forgiven. Right? He wasn't unaware of those failings. But he came to give you his name. Right? That didn't stop him from desiring that in uniting himself to you, you would make him known in the world. And so remember his name today. Remember what kind of a God your God is. The Lord your God. Right? A deliverer. A savior. Right? A God that you can repent of your sins to and confess your sins to and know you will find his mercy and his forgiveness, his grace. And think about even what a witness that is. Right? That is actually to repent and confess your sins to him, to, to receive his forgiveness. That is, in a sense, to, to bear his name well. Because what does that say about him? What does that tell the world? It, it says... He is a God merciful, right? slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, gracious, showing his steadfast love to thousands of generations of those who love him and obey his commandments. Right? He, he has united himself to you, so, so don't give up in that right? just because you fail at times. Right? Don't let, let falling uh, short of perfection stop you. But be encouraged again today, right, to bear his name well, to once again take up, to be resolved, to show forth his name for what it is. You know what it is. You know what kind of a God you serve. That's what you want to make known. Jesus said by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples by your love. And if you love me, he said, you will keep my commandments. Right? If, you, if you love the Lord, your God, then represent him well. Right? That then is the challenge. That's the challenge that this brings. I hope you're encouraged, but then this is the challenge, that you bear his name well. Right? You bear his name. Don't take that in vain. Right? Wear, it, wear it well. Would you pray with me? Our Lord, our God, we do pray that you would once again make your grace known to us. That grace that sent your Son, that has bound us to you forever. And we pray that as you have so designed to make yourself known through us as your body, that we would bear that responsibility well that we would bear your name well, that you would fill us today once again with a, a desire to show forth that name to the world, that we would be a light. Help us, Lord, and have mercy on us that we might truly do this by the power of your Spirit, by the grace that you have given us, all that you may be glorified 
forever and ever. Amen.